Hello everyone and welcome back to Gent or Ghent, depending on how you phrase the G. I'm joined here by Manny, as always. Manny, how are you? Hi, Gotti. I'm just going to clear the air. It's Gent, like gentlemen. <laughs> I, I know some people uh, have been saying Ghent, but we're going to make it nice and clear. It's Gent. Some people as in me. <laughs> some people like, well, not just you. Ryan was introducing us um over on uh, the Gamers Inn, and uh, yeah, he he had that same sort of confusion as well. But Josh <laughs> set him straight. Gent, like gentlemen. Exactly. So it's it's not been like a huge news week, we don't think, but there have been a lot of things about new games and new ways to play games. The biggest of which being a new Apple subscription service called Apple Arcade, which is coming this fall. So my spring, I think. Is how it works. <laughs> and <laughs> later in the year, it's coming. And uh, yeah. would you like to explain how this works? Well, um, I know this got announced this, uh, re relatively the same time as uh, Google's uh, service, but this is completely different. This is a subscription service where you actually download the games. You'll have access to all these titles that they're curating on their service set, and some of them are actually going to be uniquely built by Apple because they've decided to uh, develop some games on their own. But they're partnering with a lot of like high-profile uh, developers to bring content for uh, for this. And this is kind of in, uh, in addition to their App Store. So uh, people who play games on the phone typically for the most part, have been getting the free-to-play games or the freemium ones with all the little microtransactions, and they haven't been really willing to spend larger amounts of money for games on the iOS. I wouldn't. I definitely no, know. no. I, I mean, I would say that I wouldn't, but then Chrono Trigger came out for the iOS, and so that was 15 bucks gone for me immediately. <laughs> so there's certain games that, yes, uh, people will spend on. That being said... Um, yeah, they are partnering with like Sega, Konami, um, Cartoon Network, uh, Disney to like produce a lot of unique games that are going to become part of the service. And they're saying that they're going to have like over 100 exclusive games with this, you know, the entire fanfare that they want to roll out with a big, strong impression. Yeah. And as you do. Yeah. And honestly, I don't see this as anything new in particular. All these games could have come out to the iOS, but what Apple is doing is creating a unified storefront so that these games can actually get some market penetration. It's it's more likely for somebody to be like, okay, I'll pay $15 a month to have access to all these various games if they so choose, then for somebody to make a one-time purchase for a single game for $15. Reminds me of um, Nintendo's online where they give you access to all the old Super Nintendo games. And it feels like good value for money. Because um, it's just, here's all the games as long as you pay for the service as opposed to paying for them individually. So I, I can get behind just a, you know, a subscription service over paying them individually. I think that's a very smart move, to be honest. Yeah. And while it's very much targeted at uh, iOS, uh, they are allowing it to work on 
larger systems. So if you are not just using like your iPad or your iPhone, you can actually have this on your Apple TV or on um, your uh, MacBook or whatever uh, Mac PC you're using on the same subscription. That's good. And yeah, well, of course, they, it's just larger uh, market share, a larger platform uh, and a larger audience. So obviously they, they definitely want it. Um, and all of these games are available offline. You're simply using a service to download them. And then once you've downloaded them, you don't need a connection. You you can play it. That's good. Up in the cottage life or anything. I like yeah. I like this now. <laughs> that was yeah. my thing. I was thinking to myself, hey, if I was like you know getting the bus to work or something, and I wanted to just play a game for ten minutes, having having to be online for that and using my data would be a big deal breaker. Yeah, and for me in the city life where I'm sometimes on the subway and I get no reception down there. This is uh, this gives me a, a wide variety of games that will constantly refresh, right? That I'll have for like whatever commute that I'm on, and yeah, that's why I definitely want to stress that this is different than Stadia. This is uh, this is this is very much just a new business model to provide games to people. I don't believe these uh, these games are going to be anything completely revolutionary but the other thing is is that you need the hardware if you have an older phone if you have like a gen 1 ipad for some reason <laughs> not these uh, many of these games are probably not going to be able to play or play well on those uh, on those systems so this is for people who have uh, who have a decent apple tv a decent uh, iphone right to play these on you need the hardware but if you already have a good phone this is just a little additional thing that will open a wide library up to you yeah it's uh it is it is definitely a library it feels almost like steam uh, instead of buying the games individually and having them on the log you just uh pay for a subscription and you get everything on the log um which honestly sounds like great value for money if you're the type of gamer like that like if I um, had a full-time job and was commuting to work every day through public transport, I would get this. Definitely. It would be definitely worth my money. Yeah, yeah. If I had more of a commute, if uh, I wasn't basically doing the work-from-home thing, uh, this would be something that I'd be interested in. Um, I do want to see what the library is, how it turns out. If they provide enough value even even if i'm not using it for my commute to work there might be solid games in here that i want to play mm. and would and would want to use so let's see uh what that library is because that's what's really going to make or break this i think that the other part of it is um the uh, the price point like we said this is a subscription service. They haven't given the exact price points. We're saying $15 an hour only as a example. What region it comes to, I assume, will be based on regional licensing. So we'll have to go from there. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Like we have no idea about how this is actually going to play out for us as consumers. Other, other, the only thing we know is it's cool and it's being announced the same time as Stadia, which is also kind of cool. So we're in for if you like if you're a casual player of video games, like you know a mum who plays Candy Crush, and that time of demographic, then this is a really exciting time um, for the casual players, which is great because it's the biggest market. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I want to fight that though. I don't believe this is for the casual player. I believe if they can, uh, this is to allow gamers to get a get more of the kind of meaty games that they would want without that kind of price point attached to it. Because right now, saying. yeah, this this is trying to fight the stigma that the games on your phone are candy crush and the little and the free to play sudoku this is trying to offer different types of experiences um but again don't know what the business model is for this don't know what the subscription model is for this and that really does affect things if this is you get x amount of dollars for however many people download your game right um that uh, that will encourage people to make very good good experiences but might strangle google or rather apple might strangle apple's ability to make money off this if you get a percentage of people of like the whatever $15 um based on how many people are playing your game in that given month that might push people to play games that have like that really long tail rather than a, a a one solid experience and it it's definitely where i feel that the the business model that they set up here is going to determine what we get out of this and also how much they think uh, they can charge is it's going to charge is going to push what people uh pick this up because if this is adding let's say 8.99 a month to to your uh your bill mm. i i could throw that away a month and be very yeah. happy even i could and if... I'm, I'm working two nights a week and studying like i'm not i'm not swimming in money at all um but even i could like pay that you know yeah if they decide that this is going to be a 29.99 per month thing that's going to really give a lot of people pause mm. right because so, that is that is the price you'd else. probably expect to pay for a premium game on an ios anyway right yeah and, and it's like is there enough premium games coming out monthly that makes this a good investment is this something where i will pay for a month get the games i want and then drop it after i finish the games and then they get locked down because yeah. that's part of the thing. So they they really do need to make it at a point that people will buy in and not think about canceling as long as there's content, right? Um, Reminds me of a certain game. <laughs> and and that's it. Yeah, honestly though, what's what is the uh, price point that you can think of where you would where you would be on the fence? Like where where is the the line in the sand for you where you're like, 
man, as soon as it starts costing me 20 bucks a month, I go, I don't know. But yeah. at $17 a month, I'm like, okay with it. $15. Okay. $20. No, is basically where yeah. I am mentally. I think having, I think subscription model wise, I always base everything around what I used to pay for. Wow. Which was $15 a month. So <laughs> that's like my, my, uh, my everything I compare everything to that when I look at monthly services. I am of the Netflix uh, mindset. I'm like, okay, somebody wants to charge me like nine bucks a month, I won't, and I like find something good there every two three months. I'm not gonna bat an eye. Yeah. If uh, if they start charging me fifteen dollars a month, then I'm going to be looking at it each month to be like, huh is this something I want to keep doing? And that that's it. They just need, they need to find that sweet spot where people will, where the most of the audience's play money is, where they're not going to think about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very exciting regardless. I, I'm very keen to hear more details about this kind of shit because it feels like the future of video gaming, really, at least for the broader audiences it's phones not pc like i i I do see that as the future of gaming but you know i like pc so (laughs) i i want to say that the way things are going the days of the box top seem to be passed and we were at a point with the last generation where we were saying well physical medium of actually having game this seems like a thing of the past and it virtually is in this generation where a lot of the games you can download and put on your drive for the xbox or playstation you don't have to go out to the store and buy it um the next part becomes if your tv has enough of a hard drive and the computing can be done off-site do you need the box at all and then that means that Nintendo and Sony and X and uh, Microsoft have to start thinking about what they're doing hardware-wise that really gives them an advantage. So there, it's a it's a very different world we're moving into with gaming now, and I hope that especially with uh, this where everybody has a phone and these phones are more powerful than what they used to get people on the moon when they did the first moonwalk. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. The audience can be incredibly broad and you can get a lot of good content to people. But like right now, what's what I keep saying is restraining people is that the business money, it's the flow of the money, like how uh, that's going to, dictate which technologies get adopted and which games get made because if somebody looks at it and says i can make 25 dollars in one month or i can make five bucks for the year a lot of people are gonna try and get that five bucks a year yeah and the problem is that based on let's say my spending habits only five people get that, and the other people starve. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we move on to other exciting games that are coming out, including Borderlands 3 has been officially announced. Are you a Borderlands fan, Manny? I have pretty much never played Borderlands. I've seen the 
videos i've uh, i like was interested in borderlands 2 right and 2k studios is a solid studio but yeah i've never played it so give me the breakdown of borderlands please it is a diablo arpg game with guns that's okay it. that's that's the game uh i played two and i played borderlands the pre-sequel as well I played a bit of one with my friend on like co-op couch. Um, yeah, it's it's essentially an ARPG but with guns. Um, is essentially what it boils down to. You have class systems. Like every hero or playable character has like three different talent trees you can go down to that specialize your character. The guns have stats associated with them. You have items like shields and armor that have stats associated with them. Um, there are different brands for the guns that have different just baseline abilities as well as being randomized for different stats. Um, so it's like it's like if Path of Exile and Apex Legends had like a dirty baby. Uh, that's <laughs> okay. Basically, what you're looking at with pretty on the nose humor, um, but a great art style where everything is embossed with like a border around it. So the art style is very. Uh, very, very, very unique, and it has a big fan base because it is, you know, it's a ARPG. ARPGs are great. Everyone likes them. Well, everyone likes some aspect of them. Um, yeah, it is. It is one of those games where if you don't know what you're doing, enemies become really bullet spongy. Um, like you know, with difficulty settings like Diablo and like uh, Path of Exile. Um. Like, it is one of those games where the more you get into it, the more you invest in the mechanics and the gear and finding out what's good for your character and being good at RPG elements, the easier the game becomes. Um, but yeah, it is it is a good game. It's a really good game. And Borderlands 3 looks to be delivering as, like, the final installment in the series, I want to say, um, because the trailer for the game has, like, all these different heroes and characters from the past games all there in the trailers, you know, saying hi and it's obviously going to be part of the big main story and there's some new villains and uh, yeah, new Vault Hunters uh, no idea what to expect, um, but I am excited because I enjoyed the fuck out of 2 and the pre-sequel, which was like 2.5 I guess I see okay, okay, you'd like and, it and uh, when is this due to come out? Uh, no fucking clue. Uh, we're going to find out more information on the 3rd of April. So in three days. Okay. Which hopefully will have a release date. Um, hopefully this year would be nice. <laughs> be very nice indeed. Alright, alright. So then I'm going to look out for that. I, again, haven't played it myself, but I've... I was looking at Borderlands 2 and wondering what that was about. Um, and yeah, uh, ARPGs, since I have now played uh, Path of Exile and enjoyed that, I'm willing to see what this is uh, This is about. And it's we'll go about from there. killing things and getting better loot so you can kill things more and get better loot. <laughs> as is all ARPGs. Yeah, as oh, sorry, is all rather... ARPGs. Yeah. Pretty much all of them. Um, another game that's not really coming out, but more of a re-release of a very old game, uh, Warcraft and Warcraft 2 are now available on GOG. Uh, yes, good old games decided to like make these actually work on uh, current systems. 
That's amazing. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, I think that this is sort of perfect timing for it right ahead of the uh, Warcraft 3 Remastered. Yes, it is. Um, but these games, they're, they're not remastered at all. Same graphics. I, you cannot get that thing to uh, change the resolution beyond a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first game, Orcs and Humans, has the really old, really dated CG uh, cutscenes and bare-bones plot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what you expect from people's first games, though. It's like, I loved Crash Bandicoot 1, but the, the setting and the plot's trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. For all the immense story and everything that people say World of Warcraft has, Warcraft 1 really didn't have much of a story. I think the story really started in Warcraft 2, where they're like, yes, there was a war, and this is what actually happened in it. Yeah, um, who actually won. Yes, exactly. But uh, I played Warcraft 1 way back in the day. Uh, I think I had to use cheats to defeat it back then. <laughs> Warcraft 3 was actually the first one that I completed without any cheats. Yeah, I've I've never played 1 or 2. I think I've played a little bit of Warcraft 3, but not a lot. Like, not really anything major that could be a thing i should do one time is play for warcraft 3 i mean is remaster's coming out at the end of this year isn't it i think it's earlier than the end of this year yeah well that might be actually a good opportunity for me to actually play warcraft 3 for once most definitely That's and exciting. i i have to say if, if since we are now in like you know battle for azeroth the Proudmoors and, and like the original uh introduction to the Proudmoors, that's Warcraft two. So for people who need the backstory of that, this is also kind of timely in the, in that sense. Oh right. That's good. It's always nice to know where things come from and have more if you're really into the lore, then it's definitely worth a pickup. Uh you just have to like you said, weather the graphical fidelity of the times. It's not changed. But we have. <laughs> Another game that's coming out, I don't know when, but it's been announced, is Divinity Fallen Heroes, which is... I don't think it's a sequel to Divinity 2, but in terms of story it is, but it seems to be a sort of like XCOM-style uh, game based on the Divinity 2 engine, which is really exciting. Um, have you played Divinity? <laughs> I have not. I have actually seen people uh, stream it and uh, have, I guess, played vicariously through them. Good game. This is odd. The uh, uh, This uh, Divinity Fallen Heroes from the trailer. I, well, we said, uh, like I said before the show, I don't know when Dwarf, uh, Dwarvish became synonymous with Scottish. Yeah, but <laughs> since WoW, I think. <laughs> Ugh. That that character sort of just annoyed me, and he has no real vocal lines in the trailer. It was just like, ah, happy jumping dwarf, and it's like, oh, oh man, I I don't I don't care for he's you a, at all. He's a happy jumping murderer in uh, Divinity Two, because the characters you see there are all based on the um, pre-made heroes from 
the story mode. Okay. I... I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's like Bruce or something. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> well, I think that's good to have that kind of tie-in for people who uh, played, Div uh, played Divinity 2. And so this is like a little bit extra thing. Almost like a side mission, as it were. Yes. It's definitely a side project. It's not... It doesn't look to be another... Uh like big story RPG game it seems to be more of a tactical based RPG game like an XCOM a little less story focus and a lot more combat focus which is cool because the combat in in Divinity is very very unique there's a lot of stuff to do with status ailments and environment so perfect for an XCOM style game really um, I'm just excited because I've loved the last two games they brought out I've loved them a lot the thing I loved about Divinity 2 when I was, uh, again, watching my friend play and, and so going through it vicariously was um, the way that you could set things up together with another player. So you could debuff or put down, like, like again, some AoE field, which yeah. then could be interacted with to, like, again, get a combo sort of thing. And when you have, like, three, four players doing turn base to set each other up and heal and all of that. It almost felt like a D a video game D and D experience. Hmm. As it were like you're each yeah, taking is. one character through. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that this doesn't lose that even if it is an XCOM sort of thing. Well, it, it should still have the classic stuff like movement points are the same as your action points, so moving is just as valuable as taking an action and stuff like that. Like, the combat in Divinity is great. Um, and I think what they're doing is just basically taking taking what they've got, the core features, and just putting it through a different style of game that still works with the core gameplay of, like, magic armor and physical armor and status ailments and resistances and yeah debuffing things buffing your raid team stuff like that um, would work really well in a uh, XCOM game because the base game Divinity 2 the way you played you used the environment and cover so much anyway it just seems to make perfect sense like I'm not surprised by this I'm happy because I like the combat a lot um, but yeah it seems cool it's exciting because uh, Larian Studios had to go through a lot of crowdfunding to get Divinity 1 going. Um, so it's nice to see that they're sort of doing this on their own two feet, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I do feel like Divinity 2 is quite the unique experience. Uh, and I almost hope that it inspires other games. And the fact that it did well and that they're able to do this um, offshoot on their own two feet as you say is is makes me feel that they they were rewarded for uh, for the good game that divinity 2 se seems to be yeah they so, definitely were yeah more for, more of that i'm hoping that this game while offering a new twist is spiritually more of that and uh we go from there and that's sort of it for new games at least what we're covering but what is a new thing that's happened, uh, but not really new in terms of what we talked about on the podcast, is EA has laid off 350 people, and it seems to be mostly marketing, publishing, and operations teams. 
not too dissimilar from the whole D. I almost say Diablo. People who made Diablo, Blizzard debacle uh, a few months ago. Yeah. Um, this was concentrated yet again in non-development roles. Uh, this is also a company that did not have a poor year in the slightest. No, and they never do. <laughs> and so for me, I I feel like this is becoming a sign of the times that because of social media, because of influencers, because of the interconnected world that we live in these days, traditional publishing and PR is not as intensive in terms of manpower yeah than it is, as it used to be and a lot of these companies are restructuring around that that being said i feel that another part of this is just sheer greed these yeah <laughs> And people can go back to our first episode, the layoffs, and I and how I went through all the stuff that Activision, sorry, Blizzard Activision had done, and how I felt that uh, it could have been done better. This is a very similar sized company, nine thousand employees. They decided to lay off three hundred fifty employees, which is a much smaller percentage than Blizzard, who laid off eight percent, which worked out to be. Yeah, 800 people. It's a lot of people. They shuttered an entire office in Japan and decided to move it to a regional office. Again, they don't need the feet on the ground in the country. They can do it. They can do it with less people. Duplicating jobs, removing redundancies, and all that jargon to say that yeah, we can make people work. Uh, we can make less people work harder to accomplish the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I I agree on the whole uh social change of just the this department of gaming is getting easier and easier to organically just uh you know have your game be seen by people and have people interested in your game and selling it and stuff like that um so i get that but at the same time like it's such a big amount also suddenly that and it's happened not just through this company, it happened through Blizzard and, you know, it's a time of uncertainty for people who are in the video games industry, especially around the marketing, publishing and operations side, and that's scary. Like, I do not envy people who have work in these businesses, in these roles, and wondering, well, when is my company going to bite the bullet and do what the other companies are doing? Well, honestly, what I'm seeing in this industry and far and it's been happening far before we've been talking about it far before I've even been in podcasting is that job stability is something you get when you reach high enough, even as a developer, you can have entire teams put out the door after a game has gone gold, regardless of whether it does uh, well or not you can have teams get reshuffled based on technology because technology is rapidly changing. Oh yeah. And you, 
And what happens is that they can't put down roots. They can't buy a home. They can't. They have to constantly be like, okay, well, I've got to leave this studio and go work at this other studio because this uh, because of X, Y, or or Z. It it becomes such a such a tumultuous and just random uh chain of events and that's the standard of the industry and that's why when we talked about it on episode 1 i thought uh, i my mind went to um collective bargaining right make it because when you're when you're an investor when you are a person at the skyscraper level uh decisions right and you're moving numbers around on a spreadsheet you're doing it to be as effective as possible to make your company as agile and reactive or able to react as possible yeah and for you as the fulcrum when your company pivots like that it doesn't matter as much to you because you're not moving that much. You're just shifting focus for people on the end of the, uh, of the uh, company. When that company shifts focus and they move 90 degrees and you're way out there, that's a huge shift for you. Hmm. Right. And a lot of people at the end of that fall off, right? It's a centrifuge. That company spins around so fast you go flying. Yeah. And, this is a great the analogy. Way... I love this. This is so good. <laughs> the uh, the only way to uh, combat that is to anchor yourself with elective bargaining rights. And that's what I keep going back to. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there has to be more stability in this field uh, for people. It's just so turbulent and unreliable, <laughs> it seems, and uncertain. So it would be nice to have a little bit more power for the people. Um, so it's not as easy just to be chucked out the water with with the baby, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's just shit news, not fun to talk about. But unfortunately, that's how we're going to have to end uh, this bit of news. One thing I do want to follow up on... Um, is a bit of news that we had from last uh, last week where we were talking about uh Epic doing the <laughs> exclusives and how people were angry about that. Oh yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um one of the big ones was uh Metro Exodus where there was even people trying to boycott it. I when I say people, it wasn't really that organized. It was a bunch of angry people with no real yeah. organization behind it. Yeah. Like, they, I'm not going to say they were wrong, and I'm not going to say they were passionate. They were just completely unorganized about it. If you want to make, a, make change, you can't just scream stuff on forum posts. You can't just put nasty comments on YouTube. You really do need to, like make yep. a organized and dedicated stand engage but, stakeholders for example not just be angry <laughs> yeah but at the same time 
it's video games, right? Yeah. Like it's it I don't think it's the hill to die on for many people. It's like when people start boycotting movies. I just if you don't like it, don't see it. Don't waste your energy trying to convince other people. If somebody asks your opinion, it right? So be it. If somebody comes on uh, comes and listens to your podcast and you want to say I don't like it, I'm not buying it and I don't think you should either. That's fine, right? But beyond that, I, I just let people play what they want to play. If yeah. somebody spends their yeah, if somebody spends their sixty bucks and then they end up saying that they uh, they hate it, then they're more likely to learn from that experience than anything I can do pontificating from the bowels of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um. But what happened with Metro Exodus is that some people were trying to boycott it. And it sold 150% better than the previous uh, title, which was uh, Last Light. Sorry. Yeah, I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Last Light. And that was in retail sales. Digitally... Despite the exclusive, it sold 250% better than the previous title. That's, so That's good. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. And honestly, they made a better cut. Like, the, the 12% that the Epic Store uh, takes means that even if they had sold the exact same amount, they would have made out with way more money. So unfortunately, in this in this case, they made the right decision by switching over to the Epic Store. Um, that said, Epic has said that they are not going to do another scenario like Metro Exodus, where they're going to convert it to an exclusive so close, especially when they've had pre-releases and stuff up on other uh, systems. And this is a timed exclusive. Eventually, it will be out there on Steam. So if you want to hold off and get it on Steam because you really want to support Steam, that's still avail- uh, That's still going to be something that you can get later down the line, but I think it might be like six months to a year out yeah, before it becomes be available. A, it's going to be a decent time. Otherwise, yeah. it lessens the impact of having it exclusive. Yeah. Um, but for all the criticism and that, the review scores that this game has been getting have been quite good. So I might suggest to people, if you are a fan of the game, there doesn't seem to be anything other than the exclusive. Uh, I'm not even going to call it the debacle now because it's coming out as a wash. <laughs> I would say leave the spite, pick up the game and enjoy the game that you're going to enjoy anyways because it seems to be a really good game. Yeah, which is great. That's all we want. I mean, I do understand people being pissed off when it was so close to being released and then it's suddenly away from the platform and exclusively somewhere else um it's hard for me to really make a judgment call on this because there are no games on the epic store that i really want to play apart from satisfactory which i'm probably going to get next pay um but yeah like to me from the outside looking in 
it looks like this is just healthy competition and it should be a good thing for the industry. Hopefully. I mean, have Steam actually having a proper competitor will help Steam be fairer and more uh, consumer-friendly, at the very least. Which is never a bad thing, I don't think. I mean, it sucks that it's not all in one place anymore. I get that. I think I'd understand that a lot more if there was a game on Steam that I liked. Say Path of Exile suddenly switched to uh, uh, Epic, Epic, only? Epic Game Store. Yeah, um, I would be like, oh, why do I have to change? But I'd just go download it, you know? That's what I'd think I'd do. I don't actually know because, again, I'm not a fan of the Metro Exodus series. Um, but yeah, like I understand why people are upset but I'm very happy to see that Steam is finally having a competitor. I think it's a very good thing for the industry. Yeah, and I think that the, the truth is somewhere in between what Epic is saying and what the detractors are saying. If Epic can push the 8812 business model where the publishers and the developers are getting that much more than uh, they were before that means that a lot of games the money that you go uh, that you that you spend goes to the people who got that game out to you and that means that more of those games can come out it also means that they're less likely to do ugly microtransactions because more of their money will be recouped from the actual sale hmm. So I think if that becomes the norm, it's a good thing. I don't like the practices that Epic is doing to get that point. I think that exclusivity deals are annoying at best, uh, especially when it's it's just a storefront. I don't care. I'll just download it as long as it doesn't impact the game. Um, and I think that this is really far less dangerous than Xbox exclusive versus PlayStation exclusives and games that can't be done cross-platform. Because if somebody buys a game on the Epic Store and somebody bought it on on uh, Steam, they can still play against each other. Yeah. Right? Cross-platform play when something was exclusive on like a Nintendo console versus a, a, a PlayStation console and it, it, and it locked people out. I thought that uh, that sucked more. So I don't think that this is such a big thing. I am more worried about the monopoly going to the Epic store. I'd rather have it stay with steam because steam, like I said before, has been very benevolent with their monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they've been pretty hands-off, which is nice. Yeah. So, yay for competition, yay for the 88-12 split. I don't want Epic becoming the de facto um, storefront and using its exclusives and possible monopoly to do horrible things. And I don't... And since Steam has done such a good job with it, other than not... Uh, just asking for more money for themselves. If I have to be selfish, I'd rather just stay with Steam. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Um, 
shall we move on to what games we've been playing? What have you been playing, Manny? Oh, okay. So I'm going to jump off of video games. Well, sorry. <laughs> I'll start in video games because this story is a, is from video games, off of video games, and related games back to video games. So I have been saying that I've been trying to get back into Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. And I've been incredibly frustrated with it because I used to climb the standard ladder relatively well, getting to like ranks four, two ish, right? On a good month. I, I never, I was never a legend player. If you want a legend player, I it, I suggest that you sp- go over to the Angry Chicken and speak to Willie Deals Gregory. Yeah. I have not been, uh, I've played, I've done fairly well. I left the game for a bit. I wanted to come back in. I didn't want to spend a lot of money, but because I'd left the game, my card collection of what I could play in standard didn't allow me to be competitive. So I was fighting at lower ranks, like That's 16, the issue so. I'm having at the moment. I tried to get yeah. back into Hearthstone. It's like, well, I don't, I just don't have the power. It's not there. Yeah. Um, but I know Hearthstone. There was a, there's a rotation coming up. We're now moving into the Year of the Dragon, Exciting. and stuff from the Year of the Mammoth is rotating out. Which means that I was like, okay, I'll buy packs, and I rather not even buy packs. I'll play, get my daily quest done, get packs through that, and build up my collection from this current year. And then when the year of the dragon comes, I'll play and I'll be somewhat at the same basis because the new year will just be started and my collection of the past year should be okay. Except that now that the expansion is coming out, I really don't have that much gold to buy packs. So I'm looking at, do I buy a bunch of packs with this new set so that I'm somewhat competitive? Yeah, that's a bit. And then I'm back into the gold sink again, yeah. or money sink, real life money sink, and that frustrated me. So I dropped Hearthstone for the most part. I still play every so often to get like my dailies done, though I am letting some of them lapse. And I started playing Paper Magic the <sighs> Gathering, MTG. A real life game. Real life game. Even went out to uh, a local store near me and uh played with some people i again had been playing magic before just uh, and i was getting back into it but the ability to buy the cards that you want even for real money just to have like a competitive starting point yeah it's just makes me so upset at hearthstone for for its purchasing thing i have to buy packs if i don't get the cards in those packs i can't buy the specific cards I want. I need to destroy my cards at basically a four to one value yep. to the card that I want. And if I don't have much of a collection, I might be destroying cards that I could use when they nerf something. And it, so it annoy it it really upset me looking at that and say how easy it was to like get a viable starting point in Magic versus Hearthstone. And then I was on Twitter mm-hmm. and I saw a, a, 
uh, yep and i saw a tweet for uh magic arena which is basically wizards of the coast doing hearthstone with their property and I, I i was like now nah, i'm playing paper magic i'm fine with it i'm going to enjoy this and then when i was at the store the other day they decided to put up um their uh Mi- magic mythic invitational stream and i saw the client in action and the client looks beautiful oh yeah is this is this like the online magic they're doing soon yeah no not soon it's out magic oh, arena is oh. out and so just ahead of the show i decided to download magic arena and i may may play it the biggest thing is how much money i need to sink into it mm. but they've done all the steps to make me go uh, go and download it so now it's just how accessible is it for me to start playing games that's really and, exciting i have a friend who's really really into magic i might try and play that with him that's exciting. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. At a glance, right? Uh, looking at uh, looking at Magic Arena, you have not only the gameplay, which is far more not just complex than uh, Hearthstone is decried but has far more control on what you can do. Like the depth of the game is is just so much uh, so much more ex- not even accessible, just deep. You yeah. like you can do so much more with uh, with the game. There are so much more mechanics just because the game has been out longer, right? But even in a particular set, the interactions of cards are just it's a thing of beauty where when I look at the interaction of cards in Hearthstone, I usually get annoyed. <laughs> yeah, plus one, plus one, something. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. There's the fact that you can you can do free to play, right? Which is great. You can use. They have the entire obfuscation. Uh, sorry, they have the entire thing where you can buy gems with real money, and then the gems you can use to buy uh, whatever else, just to uh, just to make it completely obtuse that you're spending how much money to buy whatever the the thing is. And yeah. every system does it, and it's partly because they don't want to give these digital goods um, real life. Uh, values regardless you have the boosters but you can also trade and you when you win a draft with like actual players you you win additional packs and stuff there are actual events right that you can play online from your client right this the amount of Gameplay modes that are in it from day one dwarfs Hearthstone yet again. And oh, do they have um planes? Plane chaser, I wonder. Uh, planes chase where you go between the different realms. Yes, I know of that in 
paper magic, but again, I'm so new to this that I don't know. So I guess ask me next week and I will have that answer. Oh, cool. <laughs> but, but honestly, what have you been playing this week? Because like, oh. truth be told, guys, I've been having a pretty solid work week and I haven't had much time to do uh, many games outside of my usual WoW ritual uh, playing. And I uh, recently became uh, one of the raid leaders, so I've been trying to do stuff towards raid lead as well. So my time has been dominated. What little uh, spare time I've had has been dominated by uh, World of Warcraft. It's a dominating force. <laughs> but I'm hoping you've had a little more time this week to play games. What have you been playing? Well, I've... I've I've started to get into the habit of my job and I'm still studying full time so I don't have a lot of spare time at the moment I have been struggling to play games but I have been playing more this week than I did last week uh, the main one was Sekiro came out and I decided to dig into that and my god it's hard it is ridiculously hard it is the hardest version of a Souls game they've put out because your character is standardized by the game. There is no RPG elements that allow you to level up your health or your stamina. There's no stamina in the game, but um, like you can't cheese systems in the game to make the game easier. The challenge the game presents you is the same challenge it presents for everyone because everyone's playing the same character. And so it is just, here's the brick wall. If you can't reach this, you need to slam your face against it until you can get past it. And I've enjoyed it a lot. I'm currently not playing at the moment because I've got to a very hard place uh, with a very hard boss and I just need to be in the right frame of mind to do it. But uh, yeah, very impressed at how bloody difficult it is. Um, I've also been playing a bit more HOTS and I'm probably going to play some after this with my Canadian friends um, just because they brought out an update that actually fixes some stuff we've been wanting for about three years, uh, which is nice. <laughs> Ironic that the, day the game is now like in maintenance mode, but there you go and uh when manny was talking about hearthstone i did chime in and say i tried to do hearthstone recently i did i haven't played in about two years and feel like i'm way too hot behind to invest um magic magic arena though might be something i will look at um because i do like card games definitely definitely i i am really enjoying paper magic i want to see if arena will allow me that same level of enjoyment. Um, I like crafting decks. I really do. I Yeah, it's good, eh? <laughs> yeah. I, I put together an EDH deck, uh, which is uh, a singleton format. It's actually called Commander by, uh, by the official company because Elder Dragon Highlander is too close to the copyright of Highlander movies. But, oh, uh, right. Yes, and that's because like Highlander being a singleton format, there can only be one, which was the tagline of the movie. Ah. Yes. So, it's a 100-card deck. You can only have one copy of any card that is uh, that is not a uh, basic land. And in general, the competitive scene is dominated by combos and tutors uh, that uh, that uh basically turn it into a core of a deck and a bunch of cards to fetch those pieces but 
I found a play group that likes to play a little more casually, and so oh, I'm playing good. with just as many synergistic cards where it, each game is incredibly different, and I think that's the purpose of the entire format, to have like these widely um, differing experiences with just one deck. Yeah. And that means that if I get an expensive card, at least I'm only buying one copy of it and not four, which is what I would need for a uh, a standard constructed deck or even something from modern or something like that. Hmm. Now I like Commander. Commander's the most I played paper-wise, because um, I did buy a Commander deck for I think $60 once, uh, when I was flatting with someone who was really into Magic. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to give Magic Arena a go. That might be my little thing to do this week coming up. Awesome. So I guess uh, we can both try it and uh, report back. Yeah, we'll see how we go, eh? Anyway, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. It was a slow news week, but we talked about a lot of things. Um, thanks for listening, as always, guys. Uh, we do have a Discord section in the TGI Studios Discord. Um, so if you want to talk about anything, just please please pop something in there, because um, we're both hosts now. We have green text. Uh <laughs> And yeah, yeah, and that can be found over on, like you said, the Discord. That is bit.ly slash uh, TGI podcast. And where can people find you on the internet, Gotti? Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gottylicious, I think is what I put it at, or at Gotti Fatigue or something. Um, Gottylicious. Gottylicious. I do follow. Yeah, Gottylicious is what it is, where I just post about my life and how I'm going, <laughs> and uh, retweet things I find funny. Where can people find you, Manny? Well, also on Twitter, you can find me at TrueVillainManny. That's true without the E. And I can also be found on my other podcast that is uh, Faz for Azeroth, and you can find that also on TGIStudios.com along with this show as well. Alright. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, guys, have fun.